0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all
1: in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
2: Welcome to Squawk Box. Here are your headlines today. China grows more than expected in the first quarter with the official GDP print coming in at 6.4% amid fears of a slowdown in the world's second largest economy. Qualcomm shares surge after inking a surprise settlement in the company's wide-ranging legal battle with Apple, clearing the way to bring Qualcomm chips back to the iPhone.
3: Netflix delivers a solid first quarter, posting record subscriber growth, but warns it expects fewer viewers to sign up in Q2 as it rolls out price hikes. And in an exclusive interview with CNBC, Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon says the U.S. economy is chugging along pretty well and reveals he's changed his view on the chances of a recession. I kind of said 50-50, but, you know, my guess is probably not. Um, I think the chance of a recession in the near term in the U.S. is low, and I don't, I don't see any data in any way, shape, or form that leads me to believe that that chance is
0: accelerating
2: Dutch lender ING reportedly approached Commerce Bank about a cross-border merger before the German lender started official deal talks with domestic rival Deutsche Bank. Breaking news this morning from the C-suite and this is around the CEO of ABB, a man that many of our audience will be familiar with, Oryx Spieshoffer, he is stepping down. Now the release has crossed just a short time ago. The board of directors at ABB and Mr Spieshoffer confirming they have mutually agreed for him to step down from his role which he has held since 2013, so long time at the company. The chairman of the board, Peter Vosa, will become interim CEO in addition to his current role with immediate effect. An official search now has been launched to find a new CEO that has been initiated. Now, there, of course, have been uh, the uh, thanks that have been handed out, the congratulations for uh, Oryx uh, workers' dedication to uh, the company and its customers and uh orx Spieshofer himself saying in this release this morning after 14 years of all in dedication and commitment to all our employers employees rather than customers i hand over to peter a trimmed abb ship that is on a clear course and gaining speed i'd like to warmly thank our colleagues around the world and partners and he goes on to to say that he also goes on to uh, talk about his. Now, his uh, personal uh, ambition short-term, he says, I will now take some time out before deciding on the next chapter of my professional life. From the bottom of my heart, I wish ABB's global team all the very best for its future. So quite a significant turn of events for what has been a very stable company and also at the forefront of robotics in terms of uh, automating industry. The company also saying today it remains on track to deliver expected uh, $200 million Worth of annual cost synergies during 2022. So it is uh, trying to stay on target as it uh, also releases its Q1 numbers today. It uh, has a print of uh, Q1 revenues up 4% net income, down 6% at $535 million. Uh, The Q1 operational EPS at 0.31, and that is up. Five percent. So uh, the company is reporting numbers, long which is major announcement, uh, Juliana.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they they are having an AGM scheduled May second. They're going to go ahead with that. So presumably we will get an update then, uh, if not before. And just on the actual uh, update itself today, they've also said they're going to proceed with the divestment of their power grids business as planned. So the message in terms of operations seems to be that things are on track. But this will come as a surprise, uh, no doubt to investors the his, his, his stepping down.
2: Indeed. Uh, just looking at the performance of the company over the last five years, and it has had moments of positivity, right? Um, you can see around that 2017-2018 uh, window. That's been some of the stronger points, but it has... Un- underperform the uh, broader stock market by a significant margin. So perhaps it's uh, greater performance that is uh, what the board will be seeking from the next appointment. And when you consider how much this company has been putting itself at the forefront of uh, digital transition, uh, sort of fast-tracking towards automation, you would expect that perhaps there are more good times to come at some stage from this company.
3: Yeah, it is, it is one that investors are looking at from a por- portfolio change perspective, and we'll have to see whether the resignation has anything to do with the strategic direction uh, of the company. And In terms of outlook today and what they have uh, released, uh, just looking through the results now, um, in Robotics in Motion, you mentioned this is an area where they have been increasingly focused. They said robotics in motion total orders were up five uh, percent despite a tough comparative base and a more challenging market environment. Uh, but order growth was steady for robotics, so an area that where they seem to be showing some Resilience.
2: Yeah, and we look forward to uh, any further news uh, from Ulrich Spieshofer about his uh, ambitions, his intention to perhaps go somewhere else. A man that we spoke to a lot over the course of time on this channel, most recently, uh, probably it would be in, in Davos. Juliana.
3: All right. uh, Well, let's bring you an update on where things stood yesterday on the Wall Street trading session. As you can see beside me, a positive day for all three major indices. All three of these are now within 2 percent of their all-time highs. So we saw some modest gains yesterday, but the trend is certainly one moving higher. Yesterday was a big day for earnings across industries stateside. We had more financials come out with Bank of America and BlackRock. Financials actually led all sectors. In terms of those gains, we also had a couple of bellwethers in the healthcare sector, namely Johnson & Johnson, where shares there moved higher. We also had United Healthcare results. So overall, the results provided uh, some support for sentiment. Now, we also had a couple of tech names sharply in focus, Apple and Qualcomm. As you can see here, Qualcomm shares surged 23%. That is taking them to a 19-year high. This comes after Apple and Qualcomm surprisingly settled a longstanding standing dispute, one of the most uh, prolific and expensive disputes in the tech industry, where uh, this was over royalties and uh, licensing fees that Apple has was required to pay to Qualcomm to use its chips in its devices. Now in addition to settling the dispute, they have also signed a multi-year contract which will allow Qualcomm to resume supplying chips to Apple. Interestingly, after the news broke, we saw Intel make an announcement that they are pulling back from the 5G smartphone market. This is interesting because in the interim, while the dispute was going on, Intel stepped in and began supplying to Apple. Now that Qualcomm is resuming that relationship, we saw a 23% jump in Qualcomm. So we'll be going into a little bit more detail on that, but there's the picture of those two stocks. Moving over to Asia, today was a big day for China data. We had that Q1 GDP print come in. We also had a raft of March data. the overall picture is one that is encouraging. The stimulus measures Beijing is taking seems to be filtering through to the real economy. Uh, The GDP number came in higher than expected. Shanghai Composite flat at the moment. A little bit of a mixed picture in terms of trade. The Nikkei 225 up 26 basis points, but the key message here is that the data is showing signs of stabilization. Finally, let's get a look at European opening calls. Uh, We are looking at a bit of a muted start for trade here in Europe. It's a big day for earnings today. FTSE 100 and the DAX looking at a slightly negative start. The CAC and the FTSE MIB looking for an open in the green. Karen? Juliana, thank you very much. Well, let's just dive into that data.
2: China's economy grew faster than expected in the first quarter. After a surge in industrial production, a mid stimulus is taking effect, while US trade tensions de-escalate. GDP grew by 6.4% on-year, the same rate as in the fourth quarter, but higher than the 6.3% forecast by Reuters. Other key activity indicators also beat expectations, uh, including industrial production. Let's get out to Yunus for more from Beijing. Yunus, uh, the numbers today are providing some hope that the uh, first quarter may have been the bottom, so to speak, uh, some of the weaker growth that we can expect from China. But I did think it was interesting to see the comments coming through from the National Bureau of Statistics, saying that the economy is seeing more positive factors at present but still faces many external uncertainties. That seems to be a nod to the trade fight that continues with the United States. What did you think of that?
4: Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that there is uh, um, a recognition that the trade war is going to continue to affect the economy. But also, as, as you both had pointed out, uh, one of the things that investors here were cheering was this idea that maybe this is a bottom. And at the very least, we are seeing the economy here stabilizing. So the headline figure was 6.4 percent, which beat expectations slightly. The March data was really the focus here. And in terms of the industrial output number, that was really a standout because this is the strongest that we've seen in four and a half years. The Statistics Bureau didn't specify exactly what was driving the industrial output figure but there's been a lot of thought that perhaps this is a relief what we're seeing is a relief uh, from the US and China holding back a bit on those tariffs now in terms of other factors that could um, impact the factories there's likely uh, some seasonality in those numbers as well and that's because march in march you see the factories go in full force after being on holiday for the lunar new year in february uh, um, also the um, the uh, uh, authorities here had said that the efforts that they had made to try to uh, give tax cuts for consumers or for example approve more uh, local government bond sales in order to um, uh, encourage infrastructure spending did have an effect uh, the statistics Bureau had said that uh, these numbers were reflected. In the retail figures, as well as the um, property investment numbers. Fixed asset investment in line um, at 6.3 percent is a slight pickup from the, the first two months of the year. Retail sales at 8.7 percent. Property investment generally steady. Uh, what was also interesting was the construction starts because they were up by 18 percent um, compared to 6 percent in the previous two months. And uh, a lot of that is likely because the authorities here have been loosening the restrictions on uh, property curbs and also trying to incur um, more um, purchases in, in housing. So uh, that has been another reason why people were um, seeing more of a s- support for the economy. Now, now, the big question, of course, is what does this all mean now for policy going forward? And a lot of analysts were saying that the policymakers will likely hold off for now and take a wait and see approach. And another factor the authorities here have to worry about is uh, the rise in pork prices because uh, one um, key official had said that uh, they expect pork prices to rise by 70 percent in the second half of the year because of an outbreak that's been going on of African swine fever hitting the hog population in China, which at the end of the day, Karen, might actually end up helping some of China's trading partners that um, would like to uh, export some of their their meat products into China.
2: Thank you very much for that, Eunice. We'll talk later in the show.
3: Meanwhile, Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon has also expressed optimism about the Chinese economy. Speaking exclusively to CNBC at the Bank's Builders and Innovators Summit in Ningbao, China, Solomon said the first quarter data looked reassuring. I actually think China is also chugging along quite well, and I think the trajectory of growth here seems to have picked up a little bit over the course of the last few months. Um, look, China is going to continue to grow. It's just a question of, you know, to what degree and over one period, you know, over what period of time. But obviously a huge economic force and very, very important in global growth, you know, broadly. Uh, There's no question it feels like there's been a little bit of an acceleration as late. Uh, But I'm watching the data just as you are. You can tune in later this hour for more from that CNBC-exclusive interview with Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon, including why he's changed his view on the chances of a recession. But now let's get back to that overnight data from China, and we will bring in uh, Ding, chief economist, Greater China and North Asia from Standard Chartered. Thank you for joining us this morning. So if I summarize what we've seen now, GDP came in slightly better than the market had been expected, and the March data shows some encouraging signs. What do you make of it overall?
0: Uh, the GDP grew by 6.4% in the first quarter. And more strikingly, the industrial production surged by 8.5% year-on-year in March, both uh, beating market expectation and confirming the recent positive data, including PMI, PPI and uh, credit growth. So it appears that the sharp rebound in March more than compensated the weakness in January and February. And the economy may have found uh, its bottom uh, in, in the first quarter. And also the growth uh, has been supported by uh, domestic demand, including consumption and investment. So for government, it's a good news. Uh, 6.4% in the first quarter is a good start to achieve an annual growth target of 6 to 6.5%. And also, it means the government policies, including tax cut, uh, spending increase and uh, more accommodative credit growth, uh, is becoming effective. For us, we have had uh, above consensus annual forecast of 6.4% since late last year. And now we see some upside risk to our above consensus forecast. And for the market, it's uh, a little bit more tricky. Uh, because good news sometimes can be bad news as well. Uh, Already some in the market start to speculate a tightening of the policy or a withdrawal of uh, the fiscal stimulus.
3: What do you think about that view that because the data is now showing signs of improvement, the Chinese authorities may look to say, "Okay, well, we can rein in our stimulus measures that we had planned for the remainder of the year. Is that likely?
0: I think uh, a one month rebound uh, would not be sufficient for the government to uh, shift the policy to withdraw the planned stimulus. I think uh, perhaps there are two conditions uh, for the government to change policy. First is, uh, in the, uh, 2019 uh, marks the 70th anniversary of the founding of the Republic. So the government will err on the side of caution and they won't take any chance. So they will wait until the second quarter data confirm uh, that the economy has bottomed. And the second condition is uh, the U.S.-China trade relations. Uh, only after this, uh, the uncertainty, uncertainty surrounding the, the trade tensions is cleared, uh, the government would be more confident uh, to reduce uh, the stimulus. And that could happen in the middle of the year.
2: I just want to delve into some of the numbers from today and retail sales in particular because we are getting somewhat of a mixed signal now from consumption patterns in China. We had just the other day a bit of a disappointing read again for March. On the import side, it was uh, down 7.6% in March and and many investors said, well, we'd hope to see a bit of an improvement there to suggest that the consumption patterns were much healthier in China. Yet the retail sales numbers today for the same month have eclipsed estimates at 8.7% with the market was sitting around 8.4%. So what do you make of the health of the consumer in China at this point?
0: Uh, trade data tend to be quite volatile. And uh, I, I I think that uh, the, the strong domestic demand will support import uh, for the rest of the year. So I think uh, perhaps one of the downside to the economy, uh, I think the domestic demand quite strong, but external demand uh, tend to be quite soft uh, at the beginning of the year. And we also expect global growth to soften. Uh, but imports, on the other hand, uh, is likely to be supported by uh, the infrastructure investment and also today's data also suggest the the property investment also quite strong, and uh, domestic consumption will continue to benefit from the individual income tax cut. Uh, the disposable income uh, 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 released today also show an improvement uh, of uh, the income of the population.
2: Can you shed some light on the industrial production numbers as well, because they've come through at a record from what we've had where in terms of the January-February numbers are up 8.5% so it uh, has been a decent performance uh, in the month uh, uh, the numbers that have been cited a record high since july 2014. now the reason the rationale from the uh, national bureau of statistics was more presence of high-tech industries uh, china's always had high-tech industries or well, in recent years in particular they've been very strong performers and strong competitors internationally why in this month do you think that the performance was so strong
0: But there are some seasonal factors behind it. Our observation is uh, uh, the last months of a quarter, usually we see some volatile industrial production data. Uh, so I think especially right after the Chinese New Year, uh, so we should interpret data with some caution. Uh, but uh, also this data is kind of uh, supported by some other uh, data, including the production sub-index of the PMI. So uh, our reading is industrial production uh, is uh, definitely stronger, but whether that pace of uh, growth can be sustained, that will depend on the demand side, uh, whether the investment, uh, fixed asset investment will be sustained or even uh, accelerated for the rest of the year.
2: Thank you very much for your time today, Shuang with us Chief Economist, Greater China and North Asia Standard Chartered.
3: I want to bring you some results from Roche, one of many uh, corporate earnings coming through this morning. Roche has reported a strong start to the year for 2019, and they have raised their outlook for the full year to mid-single-digit sales growth. They, they uh, expect to further increase their dividend in Swiss francs, and uh, they have said that sales are now uh, expected to grow in the mid-single-digit range at constant currency rates, Core earnings per share are targeted to grow broadly in line with sales. And the Q1 sales beat uh, on, beat forecasts on strength of their newer medicines, including their multiple sclerosis treatment and their cancer immunotherapy unit. To put this into context, the big question for investors when it comes to Roche is whether they can generate enough sales fast enough from their newer products to offset biosimilar uh, erosion from biosimilars. And this set of results suggests that their newer products are pulling through. The fact that they have raised their outlook for the year certainly should bode well, sit well with investors today.
2: Yeah, not a bad performance from uh, those December lows. If you look at how Roche has performed versus the Swiss stock market, and uh, it has been a a strong performer, well and truly above uh, the overall stock market uh, trend. Uh, Let's uh, squeeze in a quick break here. Coming up on the show, Netflix disappoints with the earnings outlook as the streaming service faces fresh competition more after the break. And if you can't get enough of Squawk Box. Be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. Head to cnbc.com, iTunes, Spotify or Google Play to have a listen and download today's episode. Meantime, for our podcast listeners, stick around for some more. Netflix shares were lower in extended trade after guidance on second-quarter earnings and subscriber growth missed forecasts. But the streaming giant posted better-than-expected first-quarter results, boosted by an uptick in international subscribers. Despite seeing some customers drop off following price hikes, in the US, Mexico and Brazil. The company also waved off concerns over increased competition from new streaming players such as Apple and Disney. Elizabeth has been raking through those numbers. This was seen as somewhat of a market moving news announcement uh, because it was the first of the major growth stocks to report on Wall Street, but also individually, options traders were thinking there'd be a swing of about 7% either direction in the stock, which is more than the typical movements you see on reporting season for Netflix.
1: How did it stack up? Absolutely. And we did see an initial about 8% drop when these numbers came out right away when it hit the bell, but after the bell, but, you know, it came back. We're only about 1% lower so far. And as we've been digging through this report, what we've seen is it was generally a beat on the top and bottom line. Netflix reporting revenues of $4.52 billion for the first quarter. That was above expectations. EPS also came in at 76 cents. That was well above expectations of 57 cents. So generally the, the numbers were good, and the other number we always watch for Netflix is subscriber growth. And that also beat for the first quarter. Netflix adding a record 9.6 million new global paid subscribers in the first quarter. Now is it almost 150 million global net subscribers around the world. So this is you know solid growth. What did kind of hint at some weakness was the subscriber estimates for the second quarter. And the company itself is now projecting 5 million new subscribers. And you what we've seen, though, this is still record growth. But it is a slight slowdown, and it, the, the concern is a slowdown in that kind of international market um, where that growth has been coming from I in want to recent talk about quarters.
2: Triple Frontier, I'm not talking about the challenges coming in, I'm talking about Ben Affleck and uh, his new movie. Because what uh, the company also revealed was effectively it would give us viewership numbers, some version of uh, how many people were watching. 52 million subscribers watched that movie, including me. That's
1: right. <laughs> it, Netflix is touting how many successes it's had not just at the box office with big hits, Ben Affleck, and also Bird Box, you know, that was a blockbuster at the end of last quarter, but also in the talent and awards category. It's made a point of saying that it won a record number of Oscars last season, and that it's because of the success that it's seen, it's going to be able to retain talent and continue to invest these billions of dollars in original programming. And because of that, it's pretty much downplaying these concerns from new streaming competition. I mean, we saw Disney and Apple come out with their streaming services over the last quarter, and Netflix was pretty quick to dismiss them and say, we're not too worried about it.
3: Even yesterday, they dismissed again the competition from Disney and Apple, yet we've seen Disney shares surge since they unveiled their streaming service. How do they justify not being worried?
1: The key question there is the price point, because Disney Plus, the new Disney streaming service, is about half of the monthly price as as the basic Netflix service that most people pay for. That is something that people are going to start to wonder about if Netflix continues to raise prices, which it did hint it might have to do to continue to acquire content and and pay for its own original content. When Disney has a solid offering already in its own pocket and it's offering half the price, some investors are worrying about how that's eventually going to play out. So
2: which one do you switch off Mm. or do you just add more, which is just the very opposite of cord cutting that we've been talking about as an industry trend. Are we just gonna bulk up on subscribe subscriptions now as a result? And that's
1: exactly what CEO Reed, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings said. He said, we are not worried about new streaming players. The traditional players in cable are the ones who are gonna lose out here going forward. There's plenty of market to go for it. If you wanna play for Disney Plus and Netflix, people are going to be willing to do that, according to the CEO. It
2: reminds me of the opening up of the travel and leisure industry, you know, where we started adding cheap budget flights everywhere, and people then took more flights and more holidays as a result. I wonder whether we're in this initial phase for some of the subscription TV services.
4: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe
1: Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
2: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.